hear you. We hear you. Fantastic. If we could get someone to say we hear you, we see you. I'd appreciate that. So I see that we are live and up and rolling. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come right on in, everyone. Come on in as we prepare for another episode of Who Wouldn't Serve a God Like This? Right, Tian? I mean, not Ty Tyran. I'm talking <laughs> about Tian, Tyran. Right. <laughs> right, Absolutely. So welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Come right on in. Great afternoon, great morning, great evening, wherever you may be tuning in live with us. Go ahead and tag a minimum of 10 people and let them know that we are here with none other than my featured special guest, Tyran Jackson. So hello, Tyran. Hello, Pam. How are you doing today? Phenomenally well. That's so great. blessed. So blessed by the best. No need to be stressed. <laughs> Yes, we're getting ready to bless some people. You all are in for a treat. I pray that you go ahead and share, 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 because and when you share, go get some tissue. All right, go get some tissue because this is this one is one that you definitely do not want to miss. Okay, so again, if you have if you are joining me in my private Facebook group, Broken Pieces to Peace, then go ahead and give StreamYard permission to see your name so that we'll see who's commenting in the comment section. And uh, so whether you're joining us live on Facebook in my private Facebook group, Broken Pieces to Peace, in my personal Facebook group on YouTube or any other social media platforms, welcome, welcome, welcome to you. Thank you so much for taking out time out of your busy schedule to join us for another episode of Who Wouldn't Serve a God Like This, where it is my mission, my goal, and my desire to share with the world the crisis that, or those traumas, right, that God has allowed to happen in our lives, then those triggers uh, where he's getting our attention along the way, or those defining moments, and then, of course, those triumphs or those victories where that we've experienced where we give God the glory from our story. Yes. Are y'all ready this evening? Because <laughs> you are in for an amazing treat. So uh, welcome, Tyran. Thank you, Pam. It's great to be here. Broken yeah. Pieces to Peace family is great to be a part and to be able to share with you guys my story to some extent. So Absolutely. I'm to be here. Absolutely. So, ladies and gentlemen, Tyran Jackson, he's a speaker, author, and entrepreneur that has had that has used his tragic tragic story about dealing with tragedy, loss, and overcoming as a means to helping others learn how to overcome the setbacks that they are encountering in their lives. After being uh, after beginning his promising career as an engineer and living uh, life-centered around advancing in his profession. We're going to hear a little bit more about that. And providing for his family, he has gone through an incredible transformation using his newfound purpose as a means of inspiring others to find their purpose in life. <clears throat> through his transformational journey, he has rediscovered who he is authentically and has allowed his vulnerability to serve as a guide in helping others find their resilience, 
their courage, courage and strength. He is inspiring millions of people. Come on now. He's inspiring millions. We're speaking that into the atmosphere. He's are, inspiring yes. millions yeah. uh, to move forward, to reach yeah. their greatest dreams. So I want you all to welcome none other than my featured guest today, Tyran Jackson. So thank you so much, Tyran, for accepting no the invitation to share with my guest this day. I'm not going to say morning or evening or <laughs> afternoon because we are international and around the world. So thank you again for uh, accepting the invitation to come and share. It's an honor. It's an honor. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So ladies and gentlemen, first of all, I want you to go get you some tissue. All right. Get yourself geared up and posture yourself for this powerful, powerful, powerful story. Okay. I want to share uh, a clip with you all. Uh, before we get started. Hey, Johnny, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning in. And um, can I, before we get started, Pam? Yes. Before we get started. Now, I don't know who all is out there, but I want to ask a question. How many of you out there have, have been in love and really had someone close to you? Think about that. How many of you have had to experience some significant level of trauma there's a lot of us that have gone through that. And so think about those things as we get forward into this conversation and Pam shares this clip and then we'll go into it more on the other side. Absolutely, absolutely. So let me go ahead and share my screen. Can you see that? Yep. I want to maximize it. Yes, okay. Inspiration and emotional impact is not something that can be manufactured. It's a one-of-a-kind experience, which I'm proud to share through my story of overcoming my circumstances. These are pictures of a duo taken the day before the tragedy struck. They were enjoying a romantic getaway when the engine of the tool they were on suddenly exploded. <laughs> My story will inspire others to live life more fully and with greater joy. I endured great adversity. But in the end, my experience gave me the strength for when things get tough. Yes. So do you want to uh you want to share the other clip as well or sure let's let's share the other clip because then okay. everybody out there you're gonna see if this doesn't strike you emotionally then I don't know what will, but you'll get more uh, detail into what I'm going to talk about in my personal tragedy and trauma and where I had to go through transition. So Absolutely. Yeah, go forward with the other one. Okay. <clears throat> Give me... Like you said, I hope everyone is sitting down it has some tissue nearby. 
Please sit down. <laughs> exactly. This is going to be a great, this is going to be a great one. Tyrene, you may be able to share it quicker than me because uh, I have to pull it. Okay. From. Sure. One second. Messenger, which is not coming up for some reason. Okay. All right. Got it. Can you share it on your end? Yep. Can you see it? Yep. Okay. Two decades ago, while in college at Tennessee State University, she was an AKA with a megawatt smile, a beautiful heart, and a magnetic personality. He, a Kappa, a humble guy, with a sweet soul who prided himself on his study habits. They fell in love immediately after meeting at a party, and married two years later, and had a son, Cameron. Their friends and family described their marriage as the perfect union between two strong, smart, and God-fearing people. Tonight, authorities in the Bahamas investigating what caused this popular tour boat to explode, killing one American woman and injuring at least nine others, leaving behind this incinerated floating shell. But on June 8th, Malika died while the two were celebrating their 15th wedding anniversary while vacationing in the Bahamas. She was 39. These are pictures of the duo taken the day before tragedy struck. They were enjoying a romantic getaway when the engine of the tour boat they were on suddenly exploded off the coast of Iduma. Ten American tourists were on board the 40-foot charter boat at the time of the incident. Tehran lost his leg, broke his collarbone, and fractured his pelvis and spine, suffered second-degree burns, and had his left shoulder dislocated. Malika, who was sitting where the engine exploded, was killed. <coughs> now Tehran, whose doctors say is a walking miracle, is forced to be a single father. And while his wife is gone, these pictures, memories, their son. Pam, I'm going to go ahead and stop it. I think that uh, for whatever reason, it's a little hung up. Mm -hmm. We know, so we know we had that extra traffic yeah right <laughs> so yes so ladies and gentlemen i hope you got just a snippet of what you just witnessed okay and so tyrena <laughs> thank you so much for sharing and being vulnerable and being willing to share uh your testimony with my audience. And so as we get ready to uh, go into it, share with us that traumatic thing or those traumatic things that God allowed to happen in your life. So uh, as you saw in the video, I'm going to just recap a little bit more um, and give a little more context to what was really happening. This was three and a half years ago. 
as you saw my former wife, Malika, and I, we were celebrating our 15th wedding anniversary. Just prior to then, we had both been very busy in our career. She was working as an HR uh, director for a Fortune 500 company. I was an engineer. And we had both been traveling a lot, been doing a lot of things separately. And we were really looking forward to this moment to be able to spend time and really reconnect, enjoy, and just be able to make the most of reaching that milestone of having 15 years as husband and wife. And so as we were getting closer and closer this time, we were so overjoyed and excited about what great adventure we were gonna have. It wasn't uncommon for us to be able to go on vacations together. And the day before we actually took the trip, I dropped my son off uh, with his family in Nashville thinking that he's going to be good. He's going to be taken care of for, for six days, spend some time with his cousin, spend some time with his aunt and uncle. And mom and dad were going to be going on this trip and going to have a great time. And then we were going to move forward with the rest of our lives. We ended up going to the Bahamas, uh, flying there. And the first two days were phenomenal. We had a great time, wonderful time. Had some good time on the beach, had some delicious food, got to have a couple of fruity drinks, got to have a great you know, experience up the first two days. Everything was wonderful. One of the things that, that my former wife wanted to do, that Malika wanted to do, was to be able to see more of the island. So we thought, okay, we're going to leave the resort. We're going to go on one of these tours, do a little half-day tour. We wanted to enrich our experience as we were going to enjoy this vacation and this time together, make more memories, have more adventures together. And this was just going to be another check on that box there. Uh, so on that third day, we got up real early that morning, 6.30. We were up. We were excited about it because we were looking forward to it. 7 o'clock, we're at breakfast. We hurry up, eat breakfast. We leave to the exit of the resort at 7.45. We're the first couple that's actually getting ready to go on this trip. So we are really, you know, got our bags packed, thinking that we're going to have us a great time. Other couples start to file in, and we get on a bus. And this bus comes at about 8 o'clock, and it takes us to this marina. Now, as we're riding there, there's about 20 or so different couples, some doing the half day tour, some doing a whole day tour. But we're all excited and we're, you know, talking to people on the way, thinking that this is just another great part of this trip. 845, we get checked in, we everything clear, we board our boat and get ready for this adventure. Nine o'clock, we take off from the dock and I remember it clear as day. I was mm. sitting on the boat and I had my right arm around Malika as we were taking off and, and the, the captain was making some jokes, the weather was perfect. I could see iguanas and some trees over to the left side. I look over to the right side, I see the sand, everything is looking great. And we're up there talking about how great of a day this was gonna be. 9.05, 9.05, everything changed. Unbeknownst to us, there was a fuel leak that was emanating from a fuel tank. And this was right underneath where we were sitting. There were no unusual sounds, nothing that seemed obvious. But all of a sudden, I found myself waking up face down on the surface of that burning boat. Didn't know what happened. Didn't realize what was going on. As I start to look down, even though I'm on my stomach, I can feel my right leg. My right leg is on fire, literally on fire. I looked down and I could see my left foot or I thought it was my left foot. Actually, what I saw was my ankle bone. It was protruding, blood coming all over the place. My left foot just dangling. 
and I'm thinking to myself, what has happened? Wow. I see nobody on the boat. I see, I don't see Malika. And I find myself seeing the second boat. There was the second boat that took off on the full day tour and those passengers on that boat. And they're yelling at me, get off the boat, get off the boat. And I'm thinking to myself, my right leg, I'm burning up, I'm bleeding. I'm trying to get myself off the boat. I try to push myself up, but I crumble. And I try to push myself up again. Now, I didn't know it at that point in time. My left shoulder was broken in four places. Wow. So the only thing that I could do was my right arm. It was still functional. And I reached my right arm out and put my fingertips into the ridges on the surface of that boat just to drag myself away from the flames. Wow. And I found myself trying to pull and drag myself further and further away to get to the edge of the boat. And as I got closer to the edge, I passed out again. Now, that sounds like a horrible, tragic situation. By the grace of God, this happened so soon into the trip that that second boat wasn't so far away. And people and passengers from that second boat saw me in distress. They actually swam over, came over, and was able to pull me off the edge of the boat and carry me onto their boat so I would be able to be saved. Now, shortly after I got off of the boat, there was a second explosion. The other fuel tank caught the flames. There is no way I would have survived that. So I was grateful to have those people who were there. But the first thing and the only thing I could think about was, what about Malika? What about my wife? Sure. I didn't see her. I didn't know anything about her. And once I finally came to and on this other boat, one of the passengers told me that she was picked up by a smaller boat and that she was being taken ashore into a clinic. And so we were separated. When the boat that I was on finally got to shore, they didn't have an ambulance to be able to pick me up or carry me where they where I needed to be. They, um, there was a just a local um, resident who happened to have a pickup truck and there was a piece of plywood on the back of that truck. So I was put on a piece of plywood wow. on the back of a pickup being carried to a clinic. Now, granted, I didn't know how badly I was hurt and injured at that point in time. I, the only thing I knew was my left foot was dangling and I was bleeding profusely. And one of the passengers, he happened to ride with me on the back of the truck. And that particular passenger, he and his wife actually talked to Malika and I when we were on the bus on our way to the dock. Wow. And so I kept asking them, do you know about my wife? Do you know about Malika? And he tried to reassure me and tell me that she's going to be okay, that she's good, that she's already headed to the clinic. So after a long ride on the back of the truck, I'm in so much pain. I'm still in shock. I don't know what's happening. I get to that clinic. And they take me off of the truck and they put me on a stretcher. And as I'm being rolled into the clinic, I hear Malika for the first time. I hear her moans. I hear her yelling. I hear screams of pain. I hear her throbbing. I hear her suffering. And I can't do anything. Now, in this clinic, there were actually three of us who were horribly injured. Uh, Out of the 10 passengers that were on there, myself, one other young lady, and Malika were the three that were being treated and that were being taken care of. But there was only one doctor. Wow. And he was, they're not used to dealing with something traumatic like this. Mm-hmm. And so he was trying to deal with Malika's injuries and deal with this other young lady's injuries. And I was in a third bay. 
uh, where I was so far away, where all I could do was try to find it in me to pray to God and to quiet myself, to try to hear as closely as I could to what my wife was going through and how she was doing. There was there was one uh, paramedic who did come by to me and I was asking him constantly, how is my wife? How is my wife? But his accent was so deep and heavy. I couldn't understand what he was saying. And it isn't like I could get up and see for myself. Right. So I was just stuck there, lying there and not able to really know what was going on. But all I could do was pray to the Lord that she was going to be OK. After a short amount of time, one of the, the doctor, he came over to me and he said, Mr. Jackson, we're sending you and we're sending this other young lady to the good hospital. We cannot treat you here. Your injuries are so severe. And my question to him, well, what about Malika? Mm -hmm. And he told me that, Mr. Jackson, she's going to come to that hospital later. And I asked him, oh, so she's better off than we are. So I'm trying to rationalize and understand what's going on here, but I'm thinking to myself, okay, my wife is going to be okay. If they're sending me and this other young lady off, then we must be going to be treated, but Malika's going to be fine. And so they prepare me to be put on an ambulance to go and get on an airplane and fly to the good hospital. And as soon as I touch down there and they get me in the emergency room and prepare me for surgery, I'm constantly asking them, what about my wife? Is she here yet? Is she coming? Mm -hmm. And nobody says anything. All they tell me is we've got to, you know, get you through a CAT scan, see what all is wrong with you. And you're going to go in emergency surgery. So here I am just trying, praying to God, you know, that, OK, whatever happened is tragic. And I don't know how bad it is, but we're going to get through this and we're going to be all right. And, you know, things are going to be fine. The next thing I don't remember, I wake up in an ICU room. Now, my left foot that was being uh, that was dangling earlier, they were trying to pin it and put it back together and wrap it up to see if, you know, I would want to be able to save my foot. Sure. Um, the doctors, two doctors come in and talk to me. And the first thing I ask them is, where is Malika? Is she here yet? And then the doctors, they look at each other. And then they decide to leave the room for a second. And I'm thinking to myself, I just asked a simple question that's uh it shouldn't require right all, all that. that. <laughs> About two minutes later, the doctors come back in and they tell me, Mr. Jackson, your wife didn't make it. And at this point in time, you know, being a believer and an optimist, I'm thinking, okay, she didn't make it. Something must have happened to their airplane. Maybe they had to, you know, fly it and go refuel and then go back to the island where we were at and come back. And that she just wasn't here yet. That that's right. all it was. And then they say, no, Mr. Jackson, we, we regret and hate to inform you, but your wife passed away. That she died at the clinic. Wow. And so at that point, I was heartbroken. I didn't know what to think. I, I was I was truly, truly struggling because up until that point in time, I thought she's better than I am. Mm -hmm. But the doctors, they were confused because they thought the clinic had already told me that she passed away. Wow. She passed away before they put me on that plane to wow. fly to the good hospital. But they didn't want to tell me that news because they thought it would put me in some additional level of shock. Absolutely. We're going through that surgery.
Absolutely. So I found myself crying myself to sleep that night, suffering tremendously because just earlier that day, it wasn't even 12 hours earlier, we were enjoying ourselves, having breakfast and thinking about how great of a day this was going to be. And here I am having to start the process of coming to the realization that my wife is no longer here. I wake up that next morning and I have to do something that I dreaded doing and it didn't even cross my mind at the time because there were so many things going on. Mm -hmm. But I had to call our son. I had to tell him, son, your mom's not coming home. Mm -hmm. I had to hear him on the other end of the phone and hear him yell and hear him cry and hear him struggle to understand this. Um, the family had been notified, his aunt and uncle, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, they, they were aware that we were in an accident, but they didn't know that Malika had passed and they didn't say anything to him. Mm. I broke that news. And so I had to, I, it, as, as if I wasn't in enough physical pain and emotional pain from losing my wife, now my son has lost his mother and I had to hear his pain coming through the phone. Absolutely. And to make matters even worse, later that evening, that same afternoon, I was laying in the bed, in, in the hospital bed, and I could see the EKG monitor that was just above me and all. And, and as I was laying there, you know, you hear the beeps and you start to, you know, glance up. I could turn my neck to glance up and see, you know, what my blood pressure was. I could see what my heart rate was. Mm-hmm. And all of my vitals started to turn from green and then they got yellow. Wow. And then over the course of about six hours, they were red. Wow. Everything. And I'm laying there and I'm praying to God and I'm thinking to myself, the Lord, you've already taken my wife. Now you're about to take me. Wow. And I, I prayed to him and I, and I said that, Lord, I know that everything happens for a reason and it's part of your plan. And I know that we came here and this not being any of the plan, at least in our eyes, in our mind, in my mind. Absolutely. You've taken Malika and, and brought her home. And here I am. I'm about to close my eyes for the last time because I didn't think I was going to wake up to that next day. And I was thinking to myself, my son is never going to see his mother or his father. Mm. And I closed my eyes that night and, you know, the Lord is, is amazing. Somehow I woke up that next day mm. and in the midst of it, I didn't know everything that was happening, but my brother-in-law and sister, they had actually known what happened and they had flown to the Bahamas and they were trying to do what they could to put their eyes on me and to see what was going on and try to get me to safety. And there were so many pieces that were working in the background that I had no clue or no awareness of. Mm -hmm. And God was making all these things happen because they didn't want to let me leave the country. However, there was a trauma unit in Fort Lauderdale, Florida that saw what happened mm -hmm. and they wanted to do everything in order to get me there to try to treat me and save my life. Wow. And so on that uh, third day or two days after the accident happened, I was flown from Bahamas to Florida and they told my family, we got to do whatever we can. You got to trust us so he can survive. Mm 
And so uh, as soon as I got to that hospital, I was being put into surgery again. And when I woke up, I found myself missing my left leg. Mm. The doctors, they had told my family that if we didn't take his leg, infection had started spreading through my body. That's why my vitals went from green to yellow to red. And it was going to continue to spread. And they said, had I been in the Bahamas for two more days, for certain I would have been dead. For one more day, I probably would have been dead. Wow. If I hadn't gotten to that level of treatment when I did, that I wouldn't have even been been here. Mm. Two days later, I was it was actually the fourth of July. Mm-hmm. So while everybody else was eating barbecue and shooting fireworks and you know having a good time, I had to go through four surgeries in that one day just to start putting some of these other parts of me back together. And my body was extremely unstable after going through so much trauma in that short period of time. Absolutely. And it was a question if I was even going to survive that. But I made it through that. And then that next day, I was praying to God and I was asking for some 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 clarity. Why is this happening? Why did this have to happen to us? And the Lord was talking to me. And, you know, it became clear that there were three distinct times where if he wanted to take me and bring me home, he could have done it. He could have done it on that explosion. when on the back. He could have done it when I was in the Bahamas and all my vitals had gone red. He mm. could have done it after I went through all those surgeries. Mm-hmm. But it became clear that there was a reason that he was keeping me here. And in the midst of going through that and thinking and processing and trying to understand why everything had happened, it became clear that the Lord didn't want me to just survive this, mm-hmm. but he wanted me to come through it and thrive from it. Amen. And he gave me a message and he said that, you know, you don't know what your future looks like. You don't know what your journey is going to be. You don't know what other obstacles you're going to have to face, but you're going to get through this and you're going to bounce back from this and you're going to be resilient. And at that point in time, that was the moment, the moment where I chose to be resilient. Mm-hmm. And, and with my faith in the Lord, and I was I was frustrated, I was angry, and I was mad at him. But I knew at that point that he did keep me here for a reason. Amen. So with that, started the journey, the journey mm. towards recovering, the journey towards healing. I was broken physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I was broken to a place that I couldn't even fathom or imagine beforehand. But in the midst of going through that, it led to so many lessons being taught to me through experience of having to learn how to recover physically to get to a point where I could function. I could walk again with the prosthetic. The doctors had said it was going to take a long time for me to be able to get to walk. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point and, and this goes into, you know, just some of the things that were placed on my heart. Some of the messages that the Lord was giving me to have to, you know, fight the depression, fight the survivor's remorse and do what he wanted me to do. I had to make myself move and do some of the things physically to rehab, to get to a point where I could one day even hope to have a prosthetic and be able to walk again. And Mm -hmm. I'll not only learn how to walk again, but I learned how to jog and the jog became, you know, being able to sprint. And then before I knew it, I never ran, but I was running five Ks. What? He taught me how to, you know, go through this to, where I, I wasn't really a swimmer. I couldn't swim with two good legs. 
but I started swimming with one and a half legs. What? Wasn't an easy thing to do. But what I realized was that those obstacles that were in my way and the setback that I was facing was only a part of the journey for me to lead to the successes that he had in store for me. Yes, indeed. The purpose that he had for me. I was wandering around as a person who, yeah, I, I enjoyed my job. I was doing what I needed to as an engineer. I was taking care of my family, but I wasn't doing anything beyond that. Mm. And in the midst of going through this, I started to realize that there was a purpose greater than I understood. Mm -hmm. and part of the reason why I went through what I went through was because the Lord wanted to reveal my purpose to me. Come on now. So I was broken down to a point, broken to a point where I was in truest, the truest state of despair that you could imagine, or at least that I could imagine. As I said, I was physically broken, torn to pieces. Like I said, I, I, my left leg was amputated. My right foot was broken. My right leg, I had second and third degree burns. I had a fractured pelvis, fractured vertebrae. Broken collarbone. I was in and out of consciousness five times and had to go through all these surgeries just to start to repair this physical body of mine. Emotionally, emotionally, I was so heartbroken. I was so I was struggling to be able to, you know, even be to 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 rest at night to sleep because my partner, my best friend, my lover, my wife, all of a sudden taken away from me. Exactly. Let, let, let me stop right there. Let me let me just stop. You. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let Pam. me interject. Go go ahead. <laughs> because I want I want this is going to have to be two parts. Okay, I'm gonna break this up when it when it hits the broadcast. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it because it it has to be uh it has to be um displayed. And I, I want because you shared some things with me uh, a little bit more detail, and I want to kind of touch on. From the trauma of all of that, share with them how God prepared you for that, not knowing what he was preparing you for, but looking back, when you pay attention and you're searching for your purpose and the, the reason, the reasoning for um everything that's happening and you're trying to, through your trauma and he has your attention flat on your back right yes yeah you have so, a choice to start listening exactly exactly and so yeah share go ahead no go ahead Pam. share with our audience some of the things that he um how he prepared you for the journey? <clears throat> well, I, I'll say this. Um, emotionally, uh, it, it's a hard thing to be able to prepare for. Mm -hmm. But I want to share, I'm going to share an emotional story. I'm going to share a physical story as to how I was prepared for some of what was going on. Um, first off, I, I'll start with the physical part. I'm going to take it back to uh, probably about, it was about seven or eight years prior. As I was, you know, in my early 30s, I was playing basketball and I called that my way of being able to, you know, stay in shape and everything. As I said, I wasn't a runner, but I was, you know, I'd go to the to the gym and I'd pick up basketball and everything from time to time. Right. And there was one day that I worked out and I worked out heavy on my legs and I thought, OK, I'm feeling good. I leave from the, the weight area. 
and I go down to the basketball court and I see some kids playing 18, 20 years old, you know, obviously younger than me. And I'm right. thinking to myself, okay, I can get out there. I can do something. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> would have told me, okay, you might not need to be trying to play with these little young boys. Uh -huh. I get out there. I try to do something. And, you know, I find myself where I'm trying to play and cover this 18 year old kid and his peak just great. Just doing everything. And, and I'm trying to go one way and I come back the other way. And then I think I hear a gunshot and I find myself laying on the ground and I look around. I think somebody has hit me in the back <laughs> of the leg. I don't know what's going on. It felt, it, it, sound, it felt like I got hit in the leg by a baseball bat. So I'm up here looking around thinking, okay, somebody done did something to me. Right. What did I do to call somebody to do this? Well, I didn't realize it at that moment, but it, it started to, to kick in a little bit later. That gunshot was actually my Achilles tendon tearing. And what? I found myself on the ground and I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. And I ended up having to have surgery on that. It had to go through months of rehab just to be able to walk like a normal person again. Mm. And, but, but it led to me having to have a consistent regimen having to do certain things that I may not have wanted to do to get back to a point where I was able to function again. Mm. And so I didn't know that at the time, but it was, you know, preparing me for what I was going to have to go through when I wanted to, when I needed to learn how to walk again. Come on now. There's a mindset that comes with that, that says, okay, even though I won't, don't want to get up and do this, the physical therapy is, is, is hurt. It, it is painful, but if I don't do it, my alternative is not being able to walk again. Absolutely. And so that was part of the same mindset I had when my left leg was gone and they were telling me, OK, you're going to have to go through rehab to get your body right so you could be able to walk again. Mm. I had to go through three and a half months of not taking a step. And when you think about it, you know, if you find yourself where you're not moving those muscles, your hips get tight, your tendons get real tight you don't realize how much you movements you do to keep those things loose mm -hmm. and when you start taking that first opportunity to try to take a step it is one of the most painful things after you've been essentially bedridden for that period of time so but but going through that experience helped prepare me for what i was going to have to face later on down the road physically mm -hmm. that's the war piece there emotionally and this is an interesting story um, I, I think back to it was probably about a year or so before the accident mm -hmm. and Malika and I, we were sitting in our basement. We were watching a movie. We were just having a good time together and everything. And we were having some conversations on one of these. What if conversations? What if this? What if that? Well, we got to a point where the question was, what if something were to suddenly happen to me? And Malika, she thought about that for a second. And this was her response to me. She said, if something were to happen to me, something were to happen to me, I wouldn't want you to grieve for too long. Mm. She said, I wouldn't want you to not be able to find happiness out there in the world because I'm gone. <clears throat> then she told me, Tyran or Ty, everybody called me Ty. She said, Ty, there's a list of about seven women that under no circumstances <laughs> my girl I talk to. <laughs> what? 
But then, but then she said this. She said, this is what I would want. I would want you to do everything in your power to make sure that the only part of me that's left on this earth is well taken care of and that you had better do everything you can to be the best parent to our son, Cameron, and make sure he's raised right to be a young man that I would be proud of. Amen. And at that point, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how God works because you know, at that point in time, I didn't think anything of it. You know, I'm laughing it off. Everything is all good, great, and so and so on. But as I found myself in a bed with my leg missing, suffering, and not knowing what my future looked like, and I not knowing, not having the desire, the ambition to get out of bed and get back on my feet, I was struggling with depression. I wanted to throw in the towel. But I started to reflect back on that story, on mm. that situation. And I was thinking to myself, I got to get up. My motivation has been set before me. Mm. God put those words in her mouth right then. Come on now. Fair to me. Because even though that seed was being planted then, and I didn't think anything of it, it was time for it to grow. And I was going to have to make, I was going to have to water. I was going to have to make it grow. I was going to follow through on my my commitment to her on her request and so and and not just that just the fact that you know she she blessed me with wanting to be able to move forward and move on with life Mm -hmm. and not being stuck in a state where i'm constantly thinking of the past or worried about what she would think in her presence no longer being here i saw that as a you know, a means of opening the door for me to be able to process, to grieve, and to be able to move forward with life. And that, along with a lot of grief counseling and therapy and a lot of, you know, mental repairing and and really having to go through a, a place where I had to learn and understand who I authentically was, mm-hmm. was part of my journey to being able to move be resilient and move past that situation that defining moment yes it's something that i can never forget and i can never take away however i didn't want to be stuck and i didn't know how not to be stuck but those type of things made it easier for me to slowly begin the progress to a point where i could move past it amen so, mm. oh that's that's good so now how in the world did you come out of that? How did you um, come out on the other side so soon? And uh, and where did you see God in all of that? Well, <clears throat> first off, I want to say my faith was strong. Once I got past the <clears throat> initial hurt and frustration, and question as to why did this have to happen to us? Uh, and, and, and I got back to <clears throat> reading the scripture and understanding some of, you know, some of what God tells us. There's a scripture, 20, Jeremiah 29, 11, mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it resonated with me as I was going through these things. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. This was part of my realization that even though these bad things happen 
the all is not lost, that Amen. there is still hope for me and to be able to bounce back from this. There is a future for me. Mm-hmm. And I had some solace in this. Mm-hmm. So that that aided, you know, as, as I was going through my journey, I would go back and I would reflect on these these things, these scriptures, these messages that God was, you know, and it, it just, you know, it so happened that these things would come about that it would make me um, realize that he was with me on this journey. Amen. And I wasn't doing this all by myself. Because you couldn't. Imagine, imagine going through that and not having uh, God in your life. Imagine now, did you all, did you have a, where did your spiritual foundation come from? So my spiritual foundation came. So, so I'm from, from a small town, I'm from Florence, Alabama. Alabama in the house. <laughs> yep. The most definitely. Yeah. So, um, so I remember, you know, being in the church as a kid and 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 being at revival and learning about God. And when I was nine years old, my grandmother got me to uh, church on a regular basis and I gave my life to God. Amen. And at that point in time, you know, I knew that there was there was a, a higher being and, and that beyond what we could fathom, what we could understand. Mm-hmm. But my belief was strong. And even though throughout life, there were times where I leaned on him more and I didn't lean on him as much as I needed to, I knew he was there. And and so despite, you know, what had happened and and me needing to understand that, okay, this is a part of his plan. The sooner I got to got peace with that, because some of us suffer and we, we question and we fight things far too long. Mm-hmm. But there's a process that we have to go through in order to get past that point of initially being frustrated and mm-hmm. angered by our situation and what happens. Sure. And then we get to a point of acceptance. That is a difficult and long journey. And everybody's journey there is not the same. I'll tell not. you. But he will help walk us through there, through on that journey to get to that place. And once you get to that point of acceptance, you can actually begin to feel the weight come off of your shoulders. Yeah. And you can start to look ahead to all the riches and all the, the, the blessings that he has for us. For myself, I didn't know what my future was going to look like. I was it was uncertain to me. I, I had it became clear to me that I wasn't going to go back to being an engineer in the way that I was mm. you know, prior to then. I couldn't do the same things that I did before. Mm-hmm. But in the midst of my journey, there were opportunities as I was starting to get back on my feet, literally, and start walking with the prosthetic and I'm clearly being different than you know everybody else that you see and emotionally starting to heal and trying to understand that, you know, there's a way for me to be, be able to not only gone through what I've gone through, but be able to still function and be you know, a person in society like I needed to be and interact with others because there were times where I didn't want to, a long time where I couldn't even talk to people like I wanted to uh, because it was so emotionally heartbreaking and painful. But on that journey, I was being healed. And as I was being healed, there were opportunities for me to talk to other people. I, I found myself speaking to other people who were either going through amputations or mm-hmm. gotten the news that they were going to have to have amputation. Mm-hmm. And in talking to people, their 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 state of mind 
is is so down. The depression mm-hmm. sinks in. They're hurt. They're, they don't understand what their future look like. So God put it in my spirit to start talking to these people and tell them, hey, yeah, this is going to change your life, but it's not as bad as you making it out to be. Mm. There's things that are, and, and I, I was a living example of someone who had gone through that. And yeah, I would go in there and talk, go to the hospital and talk to people with my little medals on from running a 5K and saying what? What? I that, <laughs> what? So somebody who didn't run 5Ks before or marathons before? Yep, yep, yep. And and so what but what that was doing was giving people hope and giving them the inspiration that they needed to not think that it's gonna be so bad. I would talk to other people who lost someone, a loved one that's close, and explain to them my journey and what I had to go through. And I was broken down to a point where I didn't know if I would ever be able to love again, if I'd Mm. ever be able to give myself to anybody again. Mm. But I was healed and rebuilt emotionally as well. And, you know, here's another short story I'll say. Yeah, if I can do it, because I yeah, go on, go, go. Need to get some. <laughs> it was it was about a year or so, a year and a a year and a couple months after uh, everything had happened after the accident. Uh, my former wife and I, we both went to Tennessee State University. She was big into education, and we had talked at, at one point in time about creating a foundation to be able to help students who might not have had all the means and resources to be wow. able to matriculate through school. Wow. A year after everything happened, I actually did that. I created, worked with the school and created a scholarship foundation in Malika's name. Wow. And I went there that weekend to speak and actually dedicate it to have it created in her name. Wow. That particular weekend while I was there, I met another young lady who she didn't go to the school, didn't do anything, but she just so happened to be there with some friends who mm-hmm. happened to meet. And long story short, as I was going back to honor the legacy of my former wife, God put my future wife. Come in on my- now. And so I can, ha- I'm, I'm glad to say that I've been, you know, even though it's a short time, I've been happily married for seven months now. Won't he do it? God was able to heal me and get me to a point where, where I could, like I said, I could love again. He brought someone right. special. So he wasn't going to let me just suffer and mourn forever. Absolutely. And you and have to I, move. You have, have to, to move. <clears throat> that faith is activated by movement. Yes, it is. And yes, your is. your purpose is found or was found in that trauma. It was. It and was. you can sit, you could have sit easily sit back and you know, had a pity party for and sucked in that and oh, woe is me yep. and not begin to share. And when you share your your testimony, it takes the weight and it takes all of that pressure and, and um, uh, grief off of you and it frees you. It's like yep. a, a chains that start breaking, right? Mm-hmm. The more you share, just like the, the, the word of God says, we are overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. So what that means is we are overcome 
by the blood of the lamb. That means how do you overcome that? You defeat the enemy. You defeat the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. That means by sharing. Yeah. And so many people are scared. Well, I won't go, you know, I, I'm this and I, I feel like this. And oh, oh. But once you start sharing and start helping other people and taking it off of you, I mean, you not only went through trauma and grief, that emotional, I can only imagine that you had some level of PTSD. Yes. Yeah. And the loss of your leg and your shoulder, your that's a lot. <laughs> and I've been through grief before with losing my sister, the one closest to me, my best ace spoon coon. Mm -hmm. And I sat in that thing for three years yeah. straight. Yeah. That's a long time. That's a long time with feeling like a <clears throat> spiked heel was literally in my heart yep. and then pulled out and left to bleed. And that hole is there yep. for three years. I remember that like it was yesterday. And uh, yeah, so I can only imagine and then having to, you know, tell your son that his mom is not coming back and you know helping him through his grief yep. process that's a and, whole and, other area oh, yeah, that's, that's a whole other level yep. you know and so i'm just <laughs> so grateful that you know you chose to share because i know that that had that could not have been an easy process <laughs> No, but if you had not shared, look at all the things that God is doing in your life and how He restored you and brought another beautiful woman into your life to share your life with, and to you know, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, this, this is amazing. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't I am a living it? example of that. Yes, yes. And I was like, I'm, I remember, you know, meeting you, uh, Black CEO. Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, <laughs> yes. And hearing your story and I was in tears and I was like, how, you know, going through a very traumatic, you know, grief because my sister was killed in a car accident and on her 30th birthday. And so I was like, how, how did he do that? You know, and so it's nothing but God. And I'm so grateful that you uh, chose to take that stand and start moving and to share with the world how to, how to move forward, you know, literally how to move forward uh, out of the broken pieces of their past and teaching them how to move forward <laughs> into a life of peace. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and there's there's so much more, Pam. I'm just oh, I know. On the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Because you know, really, the 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 joy of my story is that healing and the recovery and the steps that were taken. Won't you know, he do? I, I said I was an engineer in my former life. I'm mm -hmm. all about a process, and there was a process towards being restored. Mm -hmm. And so that is part of my 
my my my my purpose here. This exactly. is part of what I do. I, I really try to help shine that light to people on the process of being able to regain control of your life. Yes. With God's help. And Absolutely. being able to, you know, take those positive and right steps in order to go from a setback to success. Woo! I love it. And and so as we get ready to wrap up. Because we could go on and on and on, but we're not gonna give them all the sauce. We can't give them all today, yeah. Let me tell you all: you have to get his book first of all. Okay, you just launched your book in uh, last Tuesday. Last Tuesday, March the fifteenth. March the fifteenth. The name of the book is. It's choosing resilience. All things work together for good. Woo! Put a little Romans eight twenty eight in there as well. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Yes. So, and yes. and if you want, let me, let, before we get, I, I'm getting ahead <laughs> of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. So as we get ready to wrap up, there are three questions I typically ask each and every one of uh, my guests. Are you ready for that? Let's go. Okay. All right. So question number one, what are you most grateful for? What am I most grateful for? I am most, I know this is kind of cliche. I'm just grateful to be here. After going through what I went through, I could have easily not been able to be here today. Easily. So to be able, you know, we say it's a blessing to wake up and see each day, mm -hmm. but there was truly a time where I didn't think I would wake up and see the next day. Mm -hmm. So being able to be here and to be able to enjoy life on this earth and to be able to be blessed to have went from the depths to to being able to you know be happy mm -hmm. i am grateful very grateful for that despite what i've gone through praise god praise god question number two great answer great answer okay. question number two what is your definition of peace peace okay so <laughs> <laughs> peace peace is when to me is when you can rest easy at night and not live in a state of worry mm -hmm. there was a period of time where worry fear and concern consumed me while i was still you know after coming through that mm -hmm. and in the midst of going through my process even though i won't say that the worry completely disappeared however it lessened to a point where i could rest easy at night i was able to help my son heal and our bond got closer and closer and tighter and tighter because we had to re rely on each other mm -hmm. as i was healing emotionally as i was healing physically i was starting to see the progress and i was not suffering to the extent that i thought i was going to have to mm -hmm. i was moving forward and healing and being restored, my level of peace started to get greater and greater and greater. Yes. It's at a point now where, you know, we got so many things in this world that we can complain about. Mm -hmm. But when I look at things, I don't have much to complain about. Mm -hmm. I don't have much to be mad at. And whether happiness and peace and understanding that, hey, I can get through whatever comes my way 
All it is is another test for me to move past, but he has prepared me and made me strong enough to where I can get through it. Amen. Long-winded answer. I'm sorry, Pam. It's okay. (laughs) It is totally okay. I mean, but I'm telling you what, I'm going to sum up what you said in a nutshell. Without God, there is no way that you could have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Because that, that doesn't make sense. That that, what you just said to the world, that makes no sense because they don't, if you don't have Christ in your life, if you don't have the foundation of God, there is no way that you will be able to sustain any level of peace going through a traumatic situation like that. But whatever God has to do in order to save our souls and get our attention. Yep. That's all he wants. And he wants the glory in it all. Amen to that. You said what? I said amen to that. Yes. That is the whole. God, the glory, the praise for our, our trials, our tribulations, our tragedies, and our triumphs. Absolutely. He's and a, as soon as you started, and, and as, as soon as you start and switch, flip that switch, and started being grateful, you know what I'm saying? And in spite of your circumstances, in spite of what you're, you have gone through and what you were going through, oh my goodness. <clears throat> the, boy, <laughs> uh, we could be here all night. Let me go, I told you. Look, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me go to question number three. Question number three. Last and final question. Okay. What are some of the things that you do to maintain your sense of peace? Okay, so you know I have the private Facebook group Broken Pieces to Peace, mm-hmm. right? Where we <clears throat> help people go from that traumatic state in their life that God has allowed them to go through and then uh, take them and help move them into a life of peace. Okay, so what are some of the things that you do or have done and continue to do to maintain your sense of peace, whether it's daily routines uh, or some of the things that you would like to recommend or share to our audience, share with our audience that will help them get on the path of going from the broken pieces of their past and help them move forward into a life of peace? Okay, so a couple things that that help me out as far as peace. Um, first off, and we can't give them all. We can't give them all the juice. Just a little okay, something. We can't give everything. Okay, I, I, I'll be brief with it. Okay. First off, the, the greatest book ever written, the Bible. We gotta, you know, be able to nourish and, and, and be a part of the Word and be able to hear what God is trying to tell us. Mm-hmm. So reading that, and I'm I'm a reader. I like to read information and books quite a bit. So Mm. being able to stimulate your mind and your thinking throughout a number of different areas, Mm -hmm. something I I think is key. Second thing that I like to say, um, I had to go through therapy and counseling. I realized that God put people on this earth who could help pull out things in us that we may not be aware of. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, it, it allowed me to be vulnerable in ways that I never realized. And in doing that, that leads to one of the third things that 
I think that creates peace. <clears throat> and I had never been a writer, but I started journaling mm. and putting my emotions and feelings down on paper. Mm. And when you do that, that makes it real. And you actually got to, you know, think about it, do something about it, then just keeping mm -hmm. it all in your head. Mm -hmm. From a mental standpoint, that is very key. And then the fourth thing, and I'm going to stop at this one, but I found myself getting in a routine of working out like I hadn't done before. Mm. And that physical um, you know, exertion actually helps me with getting my day off to a good start. It helps me physically and emotionally. My mood starts out better. So that is a way yeah. that helps keeps me at peace. And then one last thing, and I'm sorry, Pam. I can it's go okay. On. No need for apologies. But just realizing that, you know, we have our families, we have our people that we're close to, embracing the love, embracing and sharing the love within our, 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 our spouses, our significant others, our kids, and, and being able to show that love and receive that love is another way of just, just keeping that peace and keeping that means of not having to worry and enjoying the fruits of, of the life that we got that, that we have today. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. so five things I gave you right there. That was, <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was good. That was good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for accepting the invitation. Thank you so much for coming and sharing, being vulnerable, and um, just uh, being free to share. Because when you share those blessings, God, that activates God and give him permission to start handing out your blessings. Yep, amen. Mm -hmm. So is there anything that you would like to share with our audience before we wrap up? Um, yeah, I wanna, for anybody who wants to reach out to me or wants to follow me, my platform, uh, my, my platform is called Reborn Resilient. And the reason for that, as I found myself on the surface of that burning boat, that was a defining moment. And the Tyran Jackson of old, I won't say was gone completely, but transformed into a new person. I went through a rebirth and I found a resiliency. God put a resiliency in me and made it apparent. And so anyway, I say all of that to say that if you want to find me, uh, rebornresilient.com, you can come to my website. You can find information about me. You can connect with me there. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram under Tyran Jackson or Reborn Resilient. So, you know, you can you know reach out to me through any of those platforms. Uh, if you want to buy my book, uh, you can buy it on uh, RebornResilient.com. There's a, a directive there that can take you to where you can purchase the book and get an autographed signed copy of it. And for anybody who wants to... Uh, hear my story and not only hear my story, but work with me to maybe come up with a blueprint or framework on how we can take the traumas and the tragedy that you're going through and find your purpose, go through a state of transition and get to a state of triumph. Mm -hmm. That's part of what I do. I, I help people who are going through similar situations make sense of it all because mm -hmm. we don't have it all. And the Lord is going to be with us as we go through this journey but sometimes a little bit of help makes it easier to, to see your path. Absolutely. And I'm telling you, who better to do it for somebody who's been through a lot of trauma in their life and 
you can see what it looks like on the other side. Yes, That's yes, a beautiful indeed. thing. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to make sure that you go and uh, follow Tyran uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the social media links. And if you want to connect with him personally, go to his website, which is www.bornresilient.com. Rebornresilient.com. You can email him at Tyran Jackson at rebornresilient.com. Reach out to him. Uh, is that your cell? That's my cell number. You can reach me there too. Should not, shouldn't have put that on there, but hey, <laughs> Lord, help me. I'm sorry. Hey, be respectful, be mindful of the time. Don't right. send any text messages too late. Don't call at two o'clock in the morning. We don't need right. any of that. So. No, no, we don't want none of that. We don't want none of that. But yeah. connect with him uh, through social media, website. And he's one of the featured authors for the book that's coming out. Who wouldn't serve a God like this that will be launching April the 28th? Yeah. So you all keep us in prayer through the process. But these are the types of stories um, that will be highlighted. Saint Therese, one of another one of the phenomenal, powerful authors, uh, co-authors that uh, will be joining us. That is joined has joined us on this journey uh, of collaborating to make this uh, book, uh, this kingdom assignment happen. Uh, who wouldn't serve a God like this? The book. All right. So. Again, thank you so much, Tyran, for joining us today. And ladies and gentlemen, that concludes another episode of Who Wouldn't Serve, this, Serve a God Like This. I pray that you were blessed in abundance. I know that you were. And I pray that you meet us back here in the morning, 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, 7 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, and 4 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. But wherever you may be joining us in the world, check your local time zone so that you will be able to catch me live when I uh, help you read the entire Bible in 365 days. And then meet me back here next week where I will have another phenomenal, phenomenal guest who will be giving their powerful testimony. You definitely don't want to miss it. Okay. And again, thank you so much, Tyran. And you, oh, make sure you join or watch the broadcast on Friday on the Daily Gospel Network where God has expanded our territory into television. So if you have Apple TV, Roku, um, Apple, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV, then you can watch the broadcast uh, through the Daily Gospel Network TV, international TV. Okay. And so, yeah, we're, God has expanded our territory in, uh, into over 50 million households. Wow. So, yeah, God is good. He's, he's doing some phenomenal things. And again, if you haven't done so already, go to www.rebornresilient.com. Get Tyran's book, yes. Reborn yes. Resilient, and... Uh, make sure you connect with him. But with that said, thank you so much for tuning in. And we look forward to seeing you back here same time next week 
but in the morning, okay, in the a.m., if it's the Lord's will. All right, so be blessed, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Yeah. Bye for now.